skinned face. Probably one of Mansour's people. Remember, you've got to make his death look like an accident, and the ship must be preserved. Yep, I've got it. He told me enough times. Mansour and the woman made their way down the gangplank as two cells started chatting with Liam Duff, the skipper. Duff was a lot more than a sailor boy. He'd shared cells in the maze prison with some Republican icons. He was playing a major role in fostering the international ties the IRA and Sinn Féin were building with the Middle East. Lynn drove us out of the port, about a k along the coast road and parked on a rocky headland. Everything in place? Any questions? Yep and no. I clambered out of the jeep, leaving my cover docks on the seat. I grabbed my rebreather and fins from the back and checked my netting sack. All the gear I was going to use to get on board was inside. Without ceremony, Lynn was gone. He didn't want to be in the vicinity if I got lifted. The sun was setting as I got the rebreather on my bag. A normal scuba tank is noisy and streams bubbles. Rebreather apparatus prevents both by reusing the air you exhale. It was ingenious, but that didn't mean I liked using it. If I'd wanted to fuck about underwater, I'd have joined the Navy. It wasn't long before the dock lights glared overhead, and two sleek, chiseled shapes appeared ahead of me, left and right of a larger, blunter craft. I dived under the keel of the Bahiti. Pockmarked with barnacles and swirling seaweed, it was like the roof of a sea cave. Two huge brass propellers glinted in the murky water ahead. They would start turning soon, but not just yet, I hoped. I unclipped my compass and let it drop. I finned up slowly, brushing my hand against the hull to steady myself. My head broke the surface, sheltered by the overhang of the Bahiti's bulbous stern. I undid the rebreather and sent it the same way as the compass. Finning to keep my head above water, I felt around in the net and pulled out a magnet with a handle on one side. I slapped it on the hull, clipped the net sack to the handle and waited for the crew to get their shit together. Clanking and shouting and general fucking about carried on for the best part of an hour, my fingers were wrinkled and skeletal, and had lost every shred of feeling. Then the hull vibrated like a jackhammer, and the water behind me started to churn. I had to get on board before Liam and his mates got up a decent head of steam. I fished an extendable pole out of the net. Next came a rolled-up ten-metre caving ladder with a spring-mounted four-pronged hook at the top. All I had to do now was rig the ladder onto the pole, extend it fully, then manoeuvre the ladder hook until it grappled onto something solid on the deck. I just hoped that anyone on the bridge was looking straight ahead. Fuck it, I'd soon find out. On the sixth or seventh attempt, the hook finally snagged. I gripped the ladder with both hands and moved one hand up a rung, then the corresponding foot, then another, and another. At the top, I heaved myself onto the deck with the world's biggest chin-up, then kicked the ladder and pole away. My head and hands were ice cold, but my body was drenched with sweat. The priority now was to get below. On the side of the bridge tower was a door, which was open, just as Lynn had said it would be. Crates and alloy boxes were stacked in the cargo hold to within a few feet of the ceiling, with an alleyway in the middle. A dark brown detonator cord ran right around the cargo. I climbed on top of the stack. Lynn had told me there were a hundred and fifty tons of weapons bound for the provisional IRA, a thousand AKs, a million rounds of ammunition, loads of GPMGs, rocket-propelled grenade launchers and grenades, 
SAM ground-to-air launchers and missiles, each one capable of downing a British Army helicopter, and to top it all off, two tons of Semtex, lovingly fashioned in Czechoslovakia. Mansour was organising the shipment which was en route to the streets of Derry, Belfast and the UK mainland. It seemed bizarre to me that the task wasn't to sink the lot. The dim glow of a torch appeared at the far end of the aisle, heading my way. I lay flat against the stack. As the owner came into the light, he switched off the torch and passed below me. It was two cells walking towards the entrance, his hair lank and greasy down the back of his neck. He closed the door behind him. I jumped down to see what he'd been up to, not that I couldn't already guess. He'd glued the timer power unit directly to the bare steel to the right of the bow. The TPU consisted of a blue wooden box about 20 centimetres square. The top was screwed down and the detonator leads emerged from a small hole in its side.